Hi, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of our two-part episode of Remote Pastoral Care. Yeah, I know we did another two-parter. It's great. Uh, as, as you may have noticed, uh, uh, this is a little tag intro here because we kind of cut off in the middle of the conversation because <laughs> our conversation was too long to be one episode. So I want to thank you for joining us again, and I'm going to go ahead and crossfade to the rest of the conversation. Enjoy. Yeah, can we take a second? I think I've noticed uh, a thought I had coming into this conversation, knowing all the participants and um, hearing what we've talked about so far, and now talking about systemic ills in the church. Take a minute to talk about uh, the harm more than benefit that Christian schools do. Oh, God, those same things. Um, because we've all been there, I think, at some point or another. Like, my faith got weaker at Hope College. <laughs> I wasn't okay. there for long enough. So. Okay. Well, we Fair were enough. at Hope, if you recall correctly. At one point, I said, fuck the church, declared myself Pope of a new religion, and tried to start some shit. So, yeah. I get it. I, again, I get it. You were a perpetual boat rocker. I just stopped bothering myself. But And um, obviously, if Jay was studying to be a pastor, there was a Christian school behind that. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what eventually led me to a decade of agnosticism was people within that church, within the Christian college I went to. I mean, there were people that I met there that had been in Christian school since they were in preschool. They had never been in a public school setting whatsoever. They had barely interacted with anyone outside of the church. And so they're in this bubble that they have no idea of what the outside world is like they have no idea what anyone is like who is not a christian and they study to be a pastor or a lutheran school teacher so they just stay inside that bubble their entire lives and have no idea how to interact with the world and i i think that's really harmful you have to know how to interact with people who are not part of the church in order to bring people into the church otherwise you're just staying in that clique and from what I've seen from my parents' church, the more clicky you are, mm. the sooner the church will die off in the long run. Uh, I'll say oh, absolutely. From an anthropological standpoint, I guess you could say, that kind of baffles me too, because it's the church we hold up as one of our greatest non-Jesus heroes, the, the Apostle Paul, whose whole thing was literally being all things to all people, like going elsewhere, meeting different people being in different environments, none of which were Christian in as much as the term could be applied in those days. So it, that, that's a tension I've never grasped. It's like we can idolize Paul, which again, that in and of itself is problematic. But if you're going to do that, like you can't turn around and say that, okay, keeping our isolated communities is a good idea because that's the opposite of what he was saying. I mean, there's, there's cherry picking without even looking at scripture. There's just cherry picking yeah. the ideas and concepts, which happens all the time. But I, I think I'm going to go back to the, the like harm schools cause. I mean, Don, you and I, having spent four years at Hope College, I think both of our faiths were in the dumpster by the end of the journey. Um, and like you recall, like while we were there, uh, it felt like it felt like being in like fucking high school. 
or worse. I mean, all or worse, all the time. Like the football players beat up a gay student <laughs> in the four years we were there. There was a professor of world religions who basically was forced into resigning because he was he called out a, a prolific donor for using the Bible to foment hate. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's just there is so much. There's a lot to unpack with that with that journey, as well. And I, I don't. It's like how beneficial was? I mean, the education was fine. Like I'm, I'm appreciative of my degree. I was a good chemistry school. I mean, I'm doing sciences. You, you, and the Japanese degree was great. <laughs> yeah, the Japanese. It wasn't what I started out for, but I, I will say you are quite correct that not only did I get a good Japanese degree out of it, but I also connected with a with a professor who has gone on to be one of my best colleagues and friends, and I still see every day, just about. Um, but you know, this and that is an important feature to to, to note is that there are pieces from these experiences that can be taken away. It is, it is easy for us, particularly when we're dealing with the great evils we're talking about, to say that this thing is entirely evil. There's always gonna be some good thing we can take away from that and some piece of the divine, even in the most evil situation. So it is important to note that. Well, to, to borrow a piece of uh, pro wrestling parlance, there, there's something to be said for God of all entities being able to... Uh, turn chicken shit into chicken salad like pull something good out of a crap situation like don steve i wouldn't know you guys if i hadn't made the god-awful life choice to try going to hope college i don't think that that's a credit to hope college as an institution no not at all (laughs) i think that would be a little misguided to suggest is all i'm saying but it, it is a credit to how God works in those situations. That being said, um, I've always asked, what is the point of having, like, whether you want to look at it from a cynical structural position or from a faith-based position or what, what is the point of having Christian-specific educational institutions? What are we trying to accomplish with that? That can't be accomplished with public or secular institutions. <clears throat> I don't think they're a good idea in general. I think it's it's a method of control. Um, well, and again, this isn't this isn't to like universally hate on, you know, every Christian school either. Like, I didn't. The only one I went to was in college. I didn't go to like a Christian grade school or whatever. Like, there have to be people. Just sheer numbers. There have to be people that really valued the experience, and not because of the, you know, bonus indoctrination points. Um, but it does seem like, like control and indoctrination, and like there's there's you can you can have your your basic factual education and your spiritual guidance separately. It seems like that would that would be good for both of those things. Well, you, always have, you have that stereotype too of the uh, the Catholic school kid going like crazy with freedom. Basically. Yes, with, yes, with especially the, with women, like with with girls who have been like in a parochial school. I mean, it's even an Aerosmith video, like that is very much like a a thing. Like um, when you're sheltered your entire life like that and you're brought up to believe a certain way like that your entire life and then you get hit with like let's say after you go to you know like for me I didn't go to a a 
school that was parochial by any means growing up. Um, I went to a public school, but I also, you know, had this like two, three times a week until I was pretty much 18, um, being a part of the church. But then most of those kids have to go to college and they end up choosing a liberal arts school. And that is a huge culture shock. Having that kind of freedom and the ability to go, wait, what a second? Like, how, how can I navigate this kind of openness, this kind of freedom, this kind of, well, you know, everything that you do is no longer under a microscope by your parents and by the church. And which shouldn't have been doing that in the first place, by the way, but do continue. Exactly. But then they tend to go a little overboard. Mm -hmm. um, as anyone would when they're just finally handed freedom. Yeah. And there's, there's a reason why um, that, that particular type of Catholic school girl shows up as a trope in certain types of popular televisual media that are found on websites ending in hub. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, but that does drive home a, a particular point, which is the, the restrictive nature of, of these educational systems from the beginning. And one thing that's been running through my head as we've been talking about this is a, is a, a theory that I, I've heard uh, a couple of times before that every negative thing is just a perversion of a, of a positive thing. And so I look at these, these Christian school environments and what they're doing. And I try to ask myself the question, what positive thing are they trying to do so badly that they're maliciously creating a negative thing instead. And the word that keeps coming back to me that they're trying to do is to build community. If I were to look at the idea of creating a Christian education system from my perspective, I would be doing it in order to create a community where everyone is welcome, where everyone can learn together without uh, a lot of the social pressures that God knows everyone here has run into from time to time Admittedly, those social pressures are as much from the church these days as not, but you get the idea. Um, the idea would be to create community, to create fellowship, to create friendship, build bonds between people so that nobody is alone in their formative years. Now, is the church actually doing that? Hell no. Like, let, let me go ahead and lay that one down there. I can, I can say with some certainty that that was at some point the intent behind this. It, it isn't what's happening. Here and I think that's key, but yeah, that, that's the theory. I'm knocking around on this anyway. I can't claim to be correct on that or anything ever really. I think you're actually incredibly 100% right, and the culture that that creates ends up snaking its way into not just religion. Mm -hmm. but also laws and societal norms and all sorts of other things that even though it may not be like explicitly written down, like this is only one aspect of your life, like Christianity kind of thing, it's become all of your life now. Like, for example, like right now in the United States, we're having difficulty with, well, we are always having difficulty with things that have anything to do with gender identity, always. 
but that also includes the issues that we've been having for generations when it comes to just women having rights and bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. Like we are not getting anywhere. And it's constantly like beating your head against a wall going, how do we fix this? How do we change this? How do we open people's minds to the concept that what they were raised with or what they consider is Christianity? Number one, there's a a separation of church and state that should never involve each other to begin with. But now we've got this like constant pressure every single day of new laws, new bills, new things that are inhibiting the LGBTQIA plus community. And it's so difficult. I think that maybe does go back to just the whole Christian schooling education thing. Like, and I, I can already hear people being like, you're saying people aren't allowed to teach their kids religion. No, I'm not fucking saying that. I'm saying do it on your own time and like let the, or set up a separate school. They can go to Christian, they can go to Christian classes after, after school, like going to football practice or ballet or whatever the hell. Um, but the, the, ed, the basis of education that we give to our young people is the basis of our future society. Um, this is a roundabout way of going with the, you know, children are our future crap, but I mean, it's true. Like, (laughs) and the, 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 like the nuttier hardline conservatives and stuff know this too, because they, they complain about people coming back from college liberal. It's like, sometimes the facts have a liberal bent to them. Like, whatever what you put into people who are learning to be a society is going to build what the society is so if if we're mixing religion into our like basic factual education system is it any wonder that it gets mixed into other stuff later on down the line like the law and that it's not supposed to be well, I want to I want to touch on something you said a little bit earlier about you know our education being the basis for making a society, and I'm going to say something blunt and inflammatory here. I know that's surprising coming from me, um, but I don't actually believe that Christian education is a problem for society. I think, and this is going to be shocking, I think that all education should and could be Christian education because Christian education is all about not pushing your own goddamn beliefs on people, listening to other people, building into relationship and fellowship with other people, understanding the world, uh, sharing love with you and your neighbor. Uh, It's evangelical beliefs. And I I make this distinction here that are terrible for society and terrible for educating people. And I think that's a distinction we don't often make. I I feel like I kind of got to fight you on this one a little bit, just because like, the idea of being welcoming and inclusive and like, these are definitely things that Jesus taught and that should be a, a foundation, a foundational cornerstone of the, of the Christian faith. But I would argue those things are hardly exclusive to Christianity and that those concepts can exist outside of a religious environment. Well, that's exactly um, my point though. 
We're talking about Christian education. That is education done in a Christian way, which would be according to these same principles that are also existent in other environments. It wouldn't be necessarily distinct from that. I'm not talking about educating people about Christianity, which has no place in our school system because that's not what schools are for. It just feels like it starts falling into a words mean things trap, you know? I mean, exactly at that point. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Uh, but in the end, Christian education just do, it, like it does have an extant definition in our language and our society. So, I mean, it, it, the, the, the point you're making is mm-hmm. valid. The words that we're discussing are being used for something already. So, yeah, and they ought not to be, and it pisses me off. But then again, what am I, but if nothing but a pedant and a linguist? <laughs> um, and can we also be honest here that, um, everyone has like the, the right, you know, the right to religion and to practice it. Yeah. And that includes doing a school system, but that's where we mu- kind of muddy the water here because not all Christians believe the same things. Not all, you know, Muslims believe the same things. Not all Jews believe the same things. And when you start getting down to it, there are certain people that are going to pervert things and teach their children certain things or allow them to not be taught certain things. Like for example, basic healthcare and sex education. Like that is something that should be taught no matter what religion you are. Mm. You should have access to that information, especially should be covering, you know, if you're gay or trans or intersex or any of those variations that should be taught as well because it's important that everybody has access to protecting themselves. But for the longest time now, it seems like Christianity does this very weird thing with education where it's like, oh, well, either the dinosaurs never existed or they also existed with man, which goes completely against science. Or they completely, you know, do not talk about sex unless it's within bounds of a heterosexual marriage. Or they, they really try to completely just break apart certain things. And then children are left behind not knowing the answers to things that they need to know. If you don't know the name for something, though, then it can't be part of you. If you've never heard gay, you can't be gay, right? exactly or somehow you know all gays are pedophiles or somehow you know like whatever else comes up it's it's whatever the myth is setting setting aside the the problems we have with gay equals pedophile as it relates to biblical translation over the last couple hundred years setting that piece aside for a minute yeah um, which is amazing whole another day's conversation um I want to I ask Jay a little bit to weigh in on, on some of this, because you, you've been so quiet listening to the rest of us rant here for a bit. But I, I really want to get your, your take on this, too, because of your, your background interacting with Christian education, because I'm very interested in this path that you've taken where you were, you were set on being a pastor until you ran into the barrier between what the, forgive me for saying stupid ass Missouri Synod, uh, had in mind versus who you are as a person. Uh, I, I don't hold Missouri Synod in particularly high regard, as you may have noticed. Um, and that's, you know, no, dis- no disrespect intended to the Missouri Synod, except for all the disrespect I intend. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, 
weighing your experience into the mix, how do, how do you approach and view some of this stuff? Like, how, how do you take this interplay between faith and education and, you know, the difference between faith and using faith as an excuse to teach objectively stupid things? I think it's important to not just look at the education people are getting in schools, but also the education people are getting at home. I was raised in public schools, but my entire home life was centered around Christianity. Um, like I said, I, I listened to exclusively Christian music and I wore shirts that had Christian sayings on them. And it was really my parents reinforcing what the church was teaching me about homosexuality. Um, my husband actually went to Catholic school all the way from elementary school up through high school. But his mother is a lesbian. He, his stepmom's daughter is bisexual. So the education he was getting at home was much more inclusive than what the school was giving him. So when he had questions about what the school was teaching him, his parents would tell him, you know, yes, this is what, you know, the Catholic Church is teaching us, but this is what we believe on this matter. So it all goes back to people's home life and what is being reinforced at home. I also knew people who grew up in the public school and believe that dinosaur bones were put in the ground by Satan to trick Christians. So, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one too. Oh, that one drives me nuts. But I went full face palm on that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I can't tell you how many arguments I have had with people since my early days in the public school system both in school and in church, like, no, that's stupid. You're wrong. For God's sake, we can figure this out. It's not hard. And it doesn't conflict with your Bible because, hey, you can't have a day if there's no sun and moon. Anyway, um, you know, I want to highlight something that you mentioned there in your experience that I think is an important piece that all of us share that I don't know that we would necessarily at first think to highlight is important, but I think as some of the background in education may be at the root of what points people in the right direction. And that is what you could call intellectual tension. And that's, you know, you're in the public school system, you've got a, an inclusive home life, you've got a less than inclusive church scenario and your balance between all three of those perspectives. Um, now, I think all of us here lived in that tension to one degree or another. Uh, we know a lot of people who rejected the tension, picked a side and rolled with it. But a lot of us here, I think we lived in that <clears throat> were pulled in multiple directions at once. And in the end, it got us to where I think we were supposed to be, but it was a rough ride. Um, I wonder if there isn't a way to turn education into a way of appropriately living in that space of tension, to teach people how to, how to contrast and to understand and to believe and to learn rather than simply, you know, yanking on them like a medieval torture device until they either break or learn. What do you guys think? I think persistence is really important. Um, when I first came out to my mom, she's the one who sent me to counseling. She told me if I ever brought a guy home that she'd kick me out of the house. But through showing her throughout the years, you know, that 
I'm still the same person. I'm still a good person. It doesn't matter what my sexuality is. And then eventually meeting the person who would become my husband and seeing that you could be gay and Christian. She eventually came around. She attended my wedding and she has me and my husband over all the time. So I think persistence is really important in trying to re-educate people on the things that they have incorrectly learned. And you identify something there that I think is important to these conversations, which is change and growth in individuals other than ourselves. Like it's easy to see the places where we've grown or we've changed. Um, like uh, I, I don't know if, if if you gathered by all of my outdated references, but I grew up as a super conservative Christian with you know the, the horribly anachronistic youth pastor and all that. Um, that that's baked into my identity. You know the, the toxic masculinity and homosexuality hating. You know, horrible, horrible, crispy Christian. I started there. Um, and I haven't, as much as I wish to say I have, I haven't let all of that go. It's still, you know, color is part of who I am and how I interact with the world. But it's easy for me to look back and see how I've grown and then in turn to look forward and see how much growth there is to do. But it's also when we're in that place, it's hard for us to look at other people and see them as equally nuanced characters in the story to see them, it, it's really particularly the people who hurt us, to look at them and say, they're a bad person. They're always going to be a bad person and I don't want to be with that bad person ever again. And I, I, I am touched and impressed by, by the way you highlighted that journey there, Jay, is that you identify the change that other people are capable of and how we need to, to nurture and respect that. And that, in many ways, for a lot of us, I think it's the hardest part of the journey to recognize the, the divinity in the evil other. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think on that? Um, I have a thought about it. It's I, I was listening to Jay's story. There's definitely some element of, I would almost call it exposure therapy. You, I've been seeing the person seeing how Jay change or changes in Jay over time from his mom and vice versa. You're around the person. We're in a very uh, digital era now. So a lot of our interactions aren't like that. And yes, we, we jump into this. We, 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 if we, if we put ourselves out there, if an LGBT <clears throat> person puts themselves out there and then they get like smacked with the clobber verses, I will be right there to tell that person why they're not right, but you don't win people over like that, that's not exposure therapy, but that's still injustice and something should mm -hmm. be done. And it causes people to recede farther into their hole, which is usually the outcome. So I would, I, I mean, when you're meeting in person, you can't pick your family or you, know, you can pick your friends, but if they're, if they're valued friends, they'll stick with you as well. Um, so like, that's a, like, what do we do? I understand that's kind of my thought, like, where do we go? When you're dealing with especially in the online sphere everyone wants to like break out uh corinthians or uh, leviticus or whatever and they're all wrong for obvious reasons but yeah and you're you're right i think to identify that the digital realm throws a new complication into that you know it's, it's one thing to be able to grow together and change together when you're in an in-person community but in this online world it's not happening um my theory, of course, is the one we're living out now, which is to try and build islands of accepting community and grow them and invite more people to join and hope that it eventually turns into a continent and, you know, however that should go. But I don't know that there is a, 
a good solution yet for how to how to address that. I don't know what you guys think, but I. I, I regret to say I have yet to find a way of answering that digital problem that is either effective or sensical. Yeah, I think anybody I, anybody with a little bit of knowledge um, or friends, family, or who are LGBT uh, and Christian probably have done at least a little bit of due diligence or asked somebody in the know to figure out what the cloud reverses means. So they can chime in when they're being used inappropriately. But my experience when I'm the person piping up about this is wrong this is why this is wrong you need to be more accepting uh and be more christ-like they it never accomplishes anything like i'm not changing anybody's mind like they just just they slink off and go back into their cave all right now i'm gonna i'm gonna set up the t-ball for you here jay so get, get ready for this one I, I know this one's gonna give you something here um th this is something we identify quite quite rightly online is that um you know people are well people are assholes up uh, but over the last probably 10 years or so, I've noticed, I don't know if you guys have as well, that this persona that people adapt online of, I'm going to be hardcore, inflexible, my way or the highway, I'm an asshole kind of mentality. Whereas that used to be just who you were online, now we're starting to see this evolve into the way people are in the real world. Uh, any of us who've been in customer service positions, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> have encountered this one time and time uh, again, but it is something that pops up a lot. It's the way that this online mentality of selfishness has kind of dominated our discourse. Uh, Jay, I know you've run into this. I've seen the stuff you post in some of our Facebook groups. So I know, I know you have some uh, many customer service stories that, that orient around this sort of attitude. Uh, and it's a freaking joke the way some of these people act, but you know, how do we deal with, and I ask this of you, and I know Courtney, you have some experience with this as well. Uh, how do we, is there a way we can take a customer service mindset of dealing with these people and turn it into something righteous? Or are we just going to have to deal with these assholes forever? Prior to trying to go into that, uh, just uh, functional disclosure here, I've got maybe 10 minutes until my computer dies. So... <laughs> Fair functional note as well. When your computer dies, I think we're just about ready to call it anyway. And I think we have enough material here for a two-parter again. And I'm very geeked about that. Hopefully, hopefully it'll, it'll at least die at a funny time again. Yeah, because that was great the last time where it cut out perfectly. I, I, that, is, <laughs> that is wonderful. But let's continue. Yeah. Oh, man. As, as far as trying to take a customer service approach, um. Listening to people, um, but also setting boundaries so that they can get their point across, but know that you're not going to let them be an asshole to you. Give them options, look them in the eye if that's an option at all. <laughs> um, yeah, just listening to people, but setting boundaries. That is one of the wisest things that could be said in that situation there, setting boundaries, which is something, and it drives me nuts in Christianity in general that we have kind of thrown out the window for the last multiple decades is the idea that setting boundaries are a healthy thing. This is belief in our faith practice that if you're doing it right, then you don't have boundaries. You're all Christ, all times, all the time, 100%, full force. Yay! Uh, and like, yeah, setting boundaries with people, setting boundaries in the way you handle yourself and being measured in that way. 
oh, that, that's exactly what I was thinking there. I think that's exactly how things should be handled. What do you guys think? Do you guys uh, agree with that? Do you have any any other perspectives on, on how to handle this? Uh, I, I, I think there's something to be said about uh, knowing when to, uh, you know, we, we are entitled as a business to deny service. <laughs> Specifically online, there's a point at which you don't have to engage anymore. Like, okay, no, you, here's, here's your refund. Take, take your business elsewhere. Ha have a nice day. Go F yourself. <laughs> um, I feel like that's, that's a mental health boundary that I have. I've had to learn to set for myself. It's actually why you won't see me on Facebook anywhere near as much anymore because I've gotten to where I'm like, this is not something I look forward to. This is not something that's enriching my life or making me a better person or making really anyone else a better person. Like, yeah, I, I know like <clears throat> my mom and some friends are deeply entertained when I go off on somebody cool, but you know, that's not, you got to know when to, from a customer service perspective, and I've worked a lot of jobs that won't let you do this, which is, I think, maybe similar to how I have spent a lot of years not letting myself just disengage. Like, someone is wrong on the internet, like that old comic. Um, it's okay if someone is wrong on the internet. You're probably not going to change their mind. If you want to engage and you've got the time and energy for that, okay. But it's okay to deny service, to step away and say, okay, have a nice day. We're done with this conversation. I, I have, I have something to add because I am a customer service representative. Um, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's also for a federal agency. I'm very sorry. Yes. We are <laughs> not allowed to deny. We are not allowed to deny service. And so, especially over this, you know, whole last year and a half with the pandemic and people coming in without masks and all sorts of other things. I have heard a lot of political beliefs and a lot of religious beliefs and a lot of all sorts of other things. And I am not allowed to deny service to anyone. And I am supposed to basically grin and bear it the entire time. And I would love to call my manager or, you know, the person above me, unfortunately that person, there's only one. And she was out filling the role that we were short staff for. So it was just me in the office. And so when you get certain things and certain people spouting off hatred and just really mean things, not necessarily directed to you, but it feels directed to you because you, you know, like myself, like, yeah, if I have a, a customer who is going off about trans rights or intersex people or gay people or anything else like that thank god i have a mask because i have resting bitch face to begin with and like i am really pissed at that point so i've i've got that barrier but also i have that barrier so i don't have old men telling me that i need to smile more and all this other crap all day long like it, it actually like really helps. I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of my mask. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with this one, but yeah, when you're interacting with people on a daily basis and you have no choice, there's something to be said about the ability of being able to, once that customer walks away, telling the next customer, like, excuse me for a minute, I need to go grab something. 
and then walk into the back and just like do the face palm and collect yourself for a few minutes and then get back to it. But by the end of the day, and this has been my day every day for a year and a half of being able to, at the end of the day, go, crap, that was a lot to deal with. A lot. Uh, I'm going to pause and say that in, in my personal belief, that the moment where you say to leave the room and face palm for a second, that being when Courtney drops out was just about as funny as it was the last time. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take that. That was perfect. Um, I, I, I want to throw out there as a means of kind of kind of bringing this somewhat to a close is that you're absolutely right. I think both of you that this, this customer service mentality is kind of a good way to look at it. Um, in, in the interest of being marginally self-serving, I, I will say it's my belief that in, in a church slash life environment, the role of a pastor is to effectively be like the manager, as you described it, to be the one who steps in when you're out of spoons and says, look, look, y'all, I got this. I, I, I'm our spoon manufacturer for the day. Uh, I will handle the assholes for a minute when you go collect yourself. Uh, that should be the role of, of pastors and faith leadership in a, in a church and life environment. And the fact that a lot of churches and church leadership aren't doing that is problematic. Um, but I do think that aside, you guys are right that, um, you know, uh, our customer service experienced folks are, are the ones who should be uh, front and center in determining how all social policy works from now on. Well, I think everybody always wants to like think their opinion is valid and wants to have a discussion. Like even they, some of these people that Audra has to deal with, they just like to listen to themselves talk and they want to con- convince themselves of their beliefs and then convince everyone <coughs> of their beliefs. But I guess it is it the pastor's job then, or it going to be anybody to step in and say like, this opinion is not valid. Like there's no place here. Yeah. The drawing of those boundaries is nominally done on the individual level, but not all individuals are able, whether that's due to personal ability, social pressure, environmental conditions. Uh, and that is, I think, particularly where a, a pastor or a faith leader should be the one to step in and say, look, this person, for whatever reason, can't draw a boundary, but I'm perfectly happy to tell you how wrong you are um, and you know, step in and take the swing for them. Um, I, I was really... Um excited to hear a quote the other day. I have no idea who it was from. I shared it on Facebook and, you know, it was, it was one of those, like, that's a really good quote. I like that. But it, it was like anonymous at that point. And I didn't do a deep dive, which was that no, not everyone is entitled to their opinion. Everyone is entitled to their informed opinion. No one is entitled to be ignorant. And I liked that concept of it is that, yeah, everyone is entitled to have an opinion as long as it is well-informed, but you don't get to just create an opinion and spew off hate and spew off all sorts of nonsense and, and have your opinion just be just as valid as the person who did the research, the person who has lived it, the person who's being persecuted, the person who, you know, your opinion, your, you know, that does not affect you at all about something that does not affect you at all is not the same as somebody who it actually affects. And I think that that is, 
that is something the church would do well to start employing within itself is the the belief that everyone ought to have an informed opinion rather than just what you happen to believe uh i i come back to this a couple of times a while back i preached a sermon that was called useless that talked about how uh c.s lewis viewed different understandings of what it means to be a christian uh he he believed quite firmly that there were specific like metrics by which one could understand whether someone is a christian or not and that if we take it in this objectively spiritual sense or subjectively spiritual sense that it becomes a useless term that has no meaning um and i'm not going to summarize i'm not going to go back through the whole sermon here and there but when we talk about revisiting this in this context making sure that we are approaching our, our faith life and our social life in a way that isn't useless in that way in a way that says no no we have a clear metric of what is and isn't true here and we have to approach this in a way that isn't just i believe this but i know this and i understand this and is not ignorant of the the, the truth and the history and the context behind it i think it's important uh, and i think there's got to be a way to, to play that forward and having said that i want to also by the way give real props to courtney for managing to make it back in welcome back uh i i really want to compliment you with twice in a row now having crapped out at a truly hilarious time yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, your timing remains impeccable. I don't know how you do it. I, I, I'm glad I am here to entertain. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, my lighting in here is flickering. I, I hate this fan. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I I may be available for the the end of this here. So I was like, yeah, I'll try plugging it in. Husband's downstairs on the computer. So yay! Well, we're glad you made it back. Um, but yeah, uh, I, to, to close things out then, since we've, we've been going at this for a good long while, we've got enough material for a two-parter. I'm happy. I hope the rest of y'all are, are, are happy with us as much as we've rambled so far. In, in the future, I'd love to do more specific topical deep dives, but I think for now, starting out with just a conversation is a good place to start. Um, in, the, in the meantime, to kind of close things out, I want to ask, is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we finished up? Um, I would like to maybe show the audience at some point or whoever is listening, um, the, the deep kind of dive into like, we really did do like an introduction during this one, but maybe for each person that does not identify as heterosexual, like the worst moment mm. that they've come up with, like in their lifetime and having to reconcile that, whether it be, you know, somebody online that it, I'm glad Steve, that you brought up the online stuff. Cause I was going to bring that up too, that that's now a part of our life daily is this digital world. But those people overall don't matter, but they do attribute to your mental health all day, every day. And I run into issues where I've even messaged on saying like, I'm having a hard day today. <laughs> like, this is rough. Like I'm looking at something that I, I cannot like wrap my head around without feeling just like this. I need to rant. Um, Why people but, have a social media sabbatical? now and then like everybody someone people have done that on my non-plug or whatever yeah 
Well, social yeah. media is designed to keep us looking at it, not to be good for our mental health. That's the problem. Exactly. That is a problem, but it's also one of those things that I think we kind of always need to have on the back burner as our community is not just what is our closest community. It's also everything outside of that. And we need to know how other people view us. Yeah. And well, that's a theory on which this whole church thing has been founded. So yeah, definitely. And so it, it would, I think it would be nice to take an even deeper dive into that and then have maybe even a broader base of people we talk to, including trans people, intersex people, and, you know, like it really it gets an idea of what life has been like for that individual person. Because obviously nobody's, no bi person is going to speak for all bi, bi people. No gay person is going to speak for all gay people. Like, you know what I mean? Like that. But kind those of individual thing, like, stories, they mean something. They mean something. They're a part of who we are. Mm. And they might help somebody else listening to this, especially if they are younger and have not come out yet. Yeah. So to hear that. So let's let let's consider this this tag end of the conversation as a, a teaser for what will come next. Uh, if y'all are interested in getting in on this, I, I'd appreciate it. I, I would I would love to have all four of you guys back for that exact conversation. That is a wonderful idea. Uh, and I have openings as, as uh, recent as two weeks from now, um, but we can schedule that once we're once we're done recording. Um, in the meantime, um, let's definitely do that because those those stories are super important, and I think that's something that we should both honor and confront, if that makes any sense uh, from this perspective. We should on, honor what has happened, and, and from a Christian perspective, confront how terrible it was. Um, so if, if I can pop in uh, apologies, I can't believe I'm still hanging out of this thought with all the ADD. Um, it, it, just connecting two ideas that have been presented here, the, you know, your personal story, the worst thing, you know, the worst thing that mm-hmm. you dealt with and, uh, is what Steve was saying earlier about exposure therapy and like in Jay's experience with his mom, how just being exposed people who are different than you, how it can change. I actually have stories for myself from that from the other side of that sort of situation, like just minor preview. I used to be one of those people who didn't get the trans thing until like having trans people in my life and being like, Oh my gosh, this person is so much healthier than I've ever seen them. And things like that. I feel like those sorts of the exposure therapy stories might be good to try and collect just because exposure therapy is great, but not everybody not everybody knows like gay people who are going to admit they're gay to the person because they're a loon about it. You know, I, I feel like the ex- other people's exposure therapy stories might work as surrogate exposure therapy for people willing to read them, but who haven't had those experiences. Just random thought. Yeah, no, that's yes, idea. absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and say that any of you or anyone else who wants to put one of those out there in writing, we got a blog section on our website. I'm happy to put them up there. Um, that said, I'm going to go ahead and bring today's episode to a close, if that's all right with you guys. And we, we are nothing, if not a wash in good ideas that we can keep rolling forward, which I absolutely love to love to see. Um, but for now, I want to, I want to go ahead and say, say thank you to anybody who's, who's made it to the end of these, uh, two videos. 
Um, if, if you're still watching here through to the end, thanks for, for sticking around. Um, uh, we really appreciate it. This has been a, a really great conversation that uh, looks like it's going to keep going on here a little bit later. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you are part of a community, you already know that. If you don't, uh, check out our website. We're, we're a weird community. We do the online thing uh, way more than the physical thing. In fact, most of our community is done through our Discord server. Uh, so if you haven't had a chance to jump on that, please go ahead and jump on that link uh, to that is on the website and the link to the website is in the description. Um, uh, you can check out some of the other stuff we put out. We have a, a Psalms from the Trails series that comes out every Thursday, which I'm still excited because this last week I finally actually got to go outside because the state of emergency ended here in Kobe freaking finally. Uh, so that's a thing. Uh, every week we also have uh, a more regular scripture and sermon that, that's happening as well. You can check here for those as well. Um, you guys have anything you want to uh, plug or shout out to before we end it for today? I do. Um, I want to shout out, um, well, actually plug, because it has nothing to do with me. But at this, um, the end of this episode, I do want people to know, especially if you need help, um, trevorproject.org. Mm, yeah. Please go to um, interact.org, which is a great resource for people with um, intersex. Um, and PFLAG. Check out your, your local PFLAG area, which is parents, friends, lesbians, and gays. Mm -hmm. um, open up your community, open up your resources, and it, get any help or understanding that you need or your friends and family need. And if, if all of those big resources seem a little too threatening to you or a little too intimidating, uh, as you can see, our tiny community's got more than enough people with experience uh, in these backgrounds as well. And if nothing else, you can reach out to me privately and I'm happy to, to help you out in any way that I can as well. Uh, all of that information, again, will drop in the description here. Uh, all right, you guys got anything else? No? Nope. All right. And then I want to I thank you guys for, for joining us today and thank everybody who's been watching us. So everybody have a great week. We'll, we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Bye.